hurting. But... Welcome to this week's episode of Latchkey Movies, the podcast where we take a critical look at the movies your kids are watching without your supervision. Today we are going to talk about the 2003 movie Finding Nemo. My name is Sarah and I have a four-year-old little boy. And I am Briar and I have a 17-year-old girl, an eight-year-old boy, and a two-year-old boy. This movie won the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature. It was a tough year. It beat Brother Bear and the Triplets of Belleville. Since I don't know what either one of those... No, that's not true. I vaguely recall Brother Bear. It's a Disney movie. It was bad, but... it's. You know, I actually saw it in the theater with my husband... Like as a one of our, it must have been one of our first dates if it was two thousand three. <laughs> and I think he got emotional because it's like a oh. brother movie, and he has a little. Well, brother. then it's a winner. And then then it's but a then winner. I'm starting to think the theme here of this podcast is I am heartless, and my husband is an emotional guy who cries at every cartoon movie. Not true. Just the ones well, we're talking about, apparently. Just the ones we're talking about. <laughs> well, well, so that's a note then to schedule <laughs> movies that Sarah blubbered at. Yes. Send yeah, me an email. I'm I'm kind of heartless, I guess, when it comes to emotions in movies. Um, no, that's you're one just of those critically things. Critically analyzing the movie—that's what you're doing. You're doing a critical analysis of the movie while you're watching it, and now you I will can't say, like, like as a mom, now things affect me a lot more than they ever did. Um, but Definitely. I also feel like I'm coming out of the fog of like the early half of part of that when it's like. When your kid is really young and everything is too much and too raw for you, I'm like finally at four. I'm like getting past that. I might be able to watch like a zombie movie soon. I'm thinking I might <laughs> give, I might give the Quiet Place a chance. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I it's on my list. We'll see. We'll see. Scott, you have to have a brave emotional day for that one. Right. <laughs> Uh, this one is a very unnoteworthy introduction for Disney. It has the regular castle logo and the regular old Pixar lamp logo. Um, That's such a disappointment. They had so much opportunity here How with cool would it water. Have been to be like, would it not yeah, have been like an aquarium castle? Exactly. That would have been amazing, right? Um, such the... a wasted opportunity. <laughs> I agree. The short that was accompanying this one was Knickknack, which is the one about the little snowman and the snow globe I trying to get out. I love that one. one. It's such it's a, a good, good one. one. And the music with the... Mm -hmm. The bobbing yep. and like... The, the head yeah. bobbing. Yes, it's yeah. perfect. But I think like, to me, there's a very noticeable change in like Pixar 
the sophistication of their animation. And, like, in the short knickknack, you can tell that's, like, that's old-style Pixar animation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, they haven't really... You can tell they haven't really accomplished people yet. (laughs) That's a fascinating assessment. And someday... We're going to have to do the Pixar conspiracy. I don't know. We may have to do that as like a mini or something. Because their inability to do people really kind of plays in with how there weren't any people in the Pixar universe, right? Or the people that are in there are terrifying, which is the case in this movie, too. Like the dentist and, (laughs) yeah, they're they're terrifying people. They don't look good. Mm-mm. None of them look no. good. It, it took them a while to mm-hmm. get, which is really people. interesting for why they tackled Incredibles as early on as they did, anyways. Because like they really, I feel like they really didn't have people figured out when they did the Incredibles. Um, which is and we why talk the difference is so striking. Yeah, we right. do talk about that in the Incredibles. But yeah, they're not. They didn't have it here. They did not have people here. They did have fish, though. They did a better yes. job with the fish than the fish happy they... people did with the penguins. Yeah, absolutely. These are not terrifying fish for the most part. Maybe the barracuda, but I mean, that's really the only fish that's scary. Oh, you know what? The, the angler fish. The that's angler. Scary. But that's supposed There's, to be Those scary. are supposed to be. Right. They're supposed to be scary fish. Right. All right. As usual with this one, we have a giant cast and much to talk about. So we'll start. Do you have a favorite Albert Brooks movie? Mm-hmm. I just... Because I can answer this question I'm looking very easily. right now. No, I mean, like, not, not like, oh, yeah, it's definitely this one. I don't have one of those. But I'm looking through his list. I, you know. So for me, it's Defending Your Life, which is very cult classic now, I think, at this yeah. point in time with Meryl Streep. But it was a really great film. And he's just, there's something about Albert Brooks. He plays a really great everyman. Yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm look. I'm, I know who Albert Brooks is, obviously. I'm very well aware of that. But, like, of the movies he's been in, I haven't actually seen all that many of them. Mm-hmm. I've seen, like, Private Benjamin, Taxi Driver. But he's not major characters in right. so many of his movies. He's just the guy off to the side yelling about something. Often yeah. he is yelling about something. <laughs> I think the movie that I'm most familiar with him in, and that's just because it's one of those movies that I throw on when I just need background noise, is This is 40. <laughs> I don't even think I've seen that movie. So there you go. <laughs> It's a good one with Paul Rudd. It's like very oh, like okay. 
I don't know. Maybe it was one of those movies that when I was watching it, I was like really feeling it. Like I watched The Graduate like literally the weekend I came home from college after I graduated. And I was like, this is too real. I can't handle it. And I think the same, like, I think the same kind of thing happened to the, me with This is 40. Like I was watching it like, I don't know, around my 30th birthday. And I was just like, ah, this is what I'm feeling right now. <laughs> Those are good movies, though. The ones you connect with. That's, yeah. that's, theoretically, that's why we make the movies. To connect right. with the story on an emotional level. That's what the Academy Awards tells me every year during their montages, at least. That I'm sure that is what they tell you. <laughs> Beat it over the head with a sledgehammer during right. their montage, right. in fact. Okay. <laughs> We've also got Ellen DeGeneres' Dory. And we've got more. We've got Willem Dafoe as Gil. We've got so the Moorish idol. I I don't even know what that is. Are you are you a fish person? Do you do no. fish? Okay, no. so no. Like, I'm guessing that's the type of fish he is, right? A yeah, Moorish that's the idol? type of fish he is. But that means it means nothing to me. I don't know. Just, if I looked at him, I'd say that's an angel fish. It's a, it's a kind pretty of triangle, striped fish. Right? That's that's what I got. Yeah. All right, got it. We have Brad Garrett, who we love as Bloat, the porcupine fish. We have Allison Janney, who we also love as love Peach. Her. Yes. So much. Love her so much. Every way. Love mm -hmm. her so much. The starfish. And she was so good as the mm -hmm. starfish here, too. I kind of felt like she stole the show a mm -hmm. little bit in the aquarium scenes. We have Stephen Root uh, as Bubbles. And he's the yellow tang fish. Now, I had to look him up. He was on news radio. And he's Milton. The stapler mm -hmm. guy from mm -hmm. Office Space. So right. that's that's why that voice sounds familiar. <laughs> we I'm have... also currently going through a rewatch of True Blood, and he's in that too. Oh, okay. <laughs> in True Blood, that's a... He's actually got a really varied career. He does. He's done a lot of things, but... By far, Milton, the stapler man, will always... Well, yeah. That's, I, I mean... think, how most people know him. <laughs> uh, Austin Pendleton as Gurgle. He was the royal grandma fish, whatever that is. I don't even know what color that fish... Do you know? I, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, the best most recognized role i could find for him was his earl the driver in finding tess i don't even know what finding tess is oh well that's a nick cage movie with shirley oh. mclean and shirley mclean plays the widow of a president oh, okay no i do know that movie now you know yes yeah. and nick cage <laughs> is her secret security guy yes and Earl, her driver, at one point kidnaps her, and that's the whole ah, actual okay. big story of that particular film. So, yeah, that that's the best yeah. one that I could find. Okay. Then we have Vicki Lewis as Deb and Flo. 
uh, striped damselfish, she's called. Also from News Radio and also from the 98 Godzilla. I didn't see it. What? Is that the one, is that the one with Matthew Broderick? Yes! And it's so good. For no other Diddy reason. Tough remake of Cashmere. Yes, but that's not <laughs> why. You watch it for the Godzillas who are running through the... the uh, it's uh, Madison Square Garden. They're running through Madison Square Garden and some <laughs> balls fall over and they trip over them like little puppies. Like literally, those 30 <laughs> seconds make that entire film. I'm going to have to look for a clip. You might, because it's not probably worth watching the rest of the film at this point in time. It's it's nostalgic for me. What can I say? I'm kind of a fan of Matthew Broderick, especially because that was kind of at the end of his war games and yeah. all of those. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we have... Joe, how do we say his last name? Is it Ranft? Sure. Okay. He was Jacques the Cleaner Shrimp. We know him from as Heimlich in A Bug's Life. And he was around a lot. He, so I find, found this ironic and I had to write it down. He died in 2005 of a car crash while working on cars. All right, then. So he's one of those guys, I think, that actually probably worked on the movies more as an animator and a producer. And okay. they pulled him in when, hey, we need a voice. He's like, the he was guy that guy that could do voices. and He's the guy in the hallway. Hey, we need a voice. Mm -hmm. So... That's what they used him for. Because he's obviously good at doing voices. Because mm -hmm. Heimlich is like a German accent, right? Heimlich is great. Like, yeah, and then this guy is like a French accent. Also, mm -hmm. I think he's my husband's favorite character. The cleaner shrimp? Yeah. <laughs> Your husband When he has... comes in, he like spins him. Oh, that's, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, moving on. We have, okay, so this one's our list, guys. We have Jeffrey Rush as Nigel. We all know who Jeffrey Rush is, I believe, at this point in time. If you Not don't know who he is, he is Barbosa in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. I think fantastic. that's probably the best. That's yeah. great. Andrew Stanton was Crush. I. He is also a, hey, we need a voice guy from the yeah. hallway. He's normally a writer, director, and producer. But Crush was kind of an epic character in this movie. So mm -hmm. I did want to note that there he was a voice there. He apparently recorded all of his lines while laying on a couch for this film. Which <laughs> <laughs> is just appropriate for Crush. It and really it also, is. I really love that this character, who obviously was, I don't know, I don't think was intended to be, like, a big deal of this movie, ended up being the attraction at Epcot. It's turtle time with Crush. <laughs> it's like, 
Like that's a, if that's what it is. Because he is such a fantastic yeah. character. And his son, uh, by the way, Brad Bird's son, the director of this film. So we needed a kid for that one. Mm-hmm. So obviously we pull in the director's kid. That one makes perfect sense. His name mm-hmm. was Nicholas Bird. And we'll never hear from him again, I'm sure. Because that cute little voice is only cute for so long. Right. So it looks like Brad Bird, uh, he has three sons, and they've each had a voice in a movie. Oh, that's cool. So one was Finding Nemo, one was in The Incredibles, and the other was in The Incredibles 2. Well, there you go. Way to not play favoritism, Brad. Good for you. That's epic parenting right there. We have uh, Elizabeth Perkins as Coral. Last of Weeds. She's in so many things. She's a she's a that girl or that woman. She is a that woman. You know, like Thank the, you uh, for modifying your word there. That I know girl is language. hard. I'm trying not to Girl is so hard. Really I catch hard. myself on that one. Especially because in my head I still think of myself as like fifteen, so I say <laughs> it to my contemporaries, you know, like I'm not like I'm not when I say that to you, I'm not talking down to you. I think I'm talking down to myself because right. I see you as a contemporary and I consider myself a girl. Um, no, she's a that woman, which would be like the counterpart to a that guy. She's one of those people, you know who she is if you see her. She's a, because oh, she's in that guy. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. We have... Uh, the Sharks next, and I think at the time, they just pulled in fairly well-known Australian actors for the Sharks, because Barry Humphreys is Bruce, the Great White, and he is Dame Edna, who you probably only know if you are Australian or actually care about film in, I mean... Dame yeah, Edna I mean, is an I know who Dame Edna is. character. Just she's she wears the uh, pointy glasses. Glasses, yes. Pointy bedazzled glasses, and I think a lot of like um, blue eyeshadow and yes. big hair. Amazing makeup with big hair. But again, you and I are kind of you got to be honest here, film buffs, or we wouldn't be here doing this. And so we both. Is she know from who- films? No, TV show. There was yeah. a whole there was a whole TV show for ah, Dame Edna. So we're just like pop culture junkies. There you that's go. Maybe that's know. it. Yeah. Uh, Eric Bana as Anchor, the Hammerhead Shark, which I didn't recognize at all until no. I was pulling up the cast for this movie. We have Bruce Spence as Chum, uh, the other shark, which I guess is a Mako? Mako? I have no idea. The shark? It's a shark. It's a fucking shark. Uh, His most notable role that I found was from Matrix Revolutions as the train man. Okay. So. (laughs) um, And then we have Bill Hunter as the dentist, also an Aussie, he, so this is a really, this is a really esoteric film. Priscilla 
Queen of the Desert. And he was Bob. Which, okay, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, none of you have probably seen this film. Oh, they've seen it. Don't write them off like that. <laughs> sure. Okay. But it is an Australian film about some cross-dressers who are traveling across the country in a mini in a camper and Bob is the straight foil in that film. So that's Bill the Dentist. Guy Pierce is in that movie. Yes, he is. Guy Pierce is in that movie. Mm-hmm. Also, what's his name? I can never remember his name. Why can I never remember his name? The agent from since we oh, were just talking yeah. about who was also in um, Happy Feet, right? Yes, as Noah, the elder. Hugo Weaving. Hugo Hugo Weaving, Weaving. thank you, because he really is... In everything. It's like... A fairly iconic actor at this point. I feel somewhat guilty not having his name right there. But I never, for some reason, with him in particular, I never have his name. I can name a lot of the things that he's done. He was a fantastic elf, but... His name is just not right there for me, for some Hugo reason. Hugo Weaving. Now Hugo you'll Weaving. forget it. Yes, and I'll probably forget it when we're done here. Finally, <laughs> because it is a Pixar film, we have to highlight the appearance of John Ratzenberger, who in this film was the school of Moonfish. They were the guys making the shapes. So, this movie, I mean... Let's be honest, Pixar has a way of starting films off with a bang, and they really, this one is no exception. We start off with Marlin and Coral, brand new parents settling into domestic life, and suddenly, they're all dead! It takes two minutes! What the fuck? Is this the first time Pixar did this? I think it is the first time that they kill. I mean, the one certainly that's most significant to me is Up. Right. But this one, even this one does me in. Mm-hmm. And it does me in every time mm-hmm. because I am a softie. But it really irritates me that they start so many of their stories with trauma. Yeah. And I have to wonder why that's such a thing for them yeah yeah i'm curious to know too if there is like reasoning behind that but uh i know like the first time i watched this movie with my son i just skipped past the beginning because like it's he was like like three he didn't need to necessarily need like he didn't need that it's part of the story. It wasn't important to the rest of the story to him. And at this what time age, around, yeah, do you start having that conversation? Because with right. this movie, you kind of have to. So Yeah, so that happened. happened. Yeah. Yeah. This time when we watched it, I didn't think about that. And we just watched it from the beginning. And he had a lot of questions about where Coral and the other eggs went. So he's four. Mm-hmm. When when is his birthday? December. December. So he's like four and a half at this point. Okay. Man, 
those are tough conversations. Mm-hmm. So tell me what what happened here. Uh. I'm just trying to give it to him straight these days, you know. I feel like he's cognitively at a level where he can um, process this kind of stuff. I know a lot of four-year-olds aren't, and, you know, actually this is something we're going through right now where we're testing him for early intervention, and he's qualifying for, like, OT and PT, but, like, off the charts on anything, like, intellectual. So... (laughs) You know, every kid has its pluses and minuses, mm-hmm. right? Um, so he is, like, at a point where I can have a conversation with him and try to explain things to him at his level. So I try not to, like, sugarcoat stuff like this. You know, like, I tell him, well, they died. The Barracuda killed them somehow, and they're gone, and now it's just Marlin and Nemo. And then we kind of move on, because as kids do... They just kind of roll with that kind of stuff most of the time, right? Most, most well. Well, because I addressed it, we could yes. roll with it. Whereas if I, you know, he had the questions and I answered the questions and then we kept going. Whereas, like, he brought the questions up. I wouldn't have brought it up if he hadn't brought it up. I'm not going to, like, enter myself into that conversation willingly. No, you certainly don't want to. So my now middle son was four when just exactly this age in fact when the baby died mm-hmm. and <sighs> processing a dead brother mm-hmm. was a much bigger deal well sure, obviously yeah. but the questions were pretty similar honestly mm-hmm. what what happened mm-hmm. where did he go mm-hmm. what will i die Mm-hmm. These are all really fun questions to have, and I feel like it's an imposition for Pixar to bring them up. Right. I off guess. The bat. Yeah. I guess maybe this is a movie you watch when it's time to have that conversation. Right. Right. Yeah. Otherwise. Yeah. You skip it. I don't know. I don't know. Right. So. In, like, comparison, in Up, which, you know, has a a very similar, this is a topic you, like, he's got questions about. I think because they don't, it's not, like, spoken, you know, it's like that montage or whatever. It's more of, like, a quick question from him situation, whereas this was, like, this really brought on more of, like, a conversation. Well, this one's pretty visceral. Mm-hmm. I, when re-watching it mm-hmm. to record, I had forgotten. Like, right. You, yes. Because it's kind of traumatizing, to right, be perfectly which is, honest. Which is exactly why I'm pretty sure the first time we, like, went through him being interested in these movies, I would skip past this beginning part. Because I don't remember it being as bad as it was. But mm-hmm. I remembered it being, like, a difficult situation, mm-hmm. right? So then this time I just put it on and I was like halfway through that little beginning and I'm like, oh, balls. (laughs) I forgot. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, it's just, it's so, it's, it's a great beginning. And I'm, I continue to question why they start this way. Because we could have found out the backstory later. Like So, apparently, the movie was originally cut in that 
that whole part of the story was revealed through like flashbacks essentially that makes more sense to me but that cut of the movie makes marlin a way less sympathetic character so he just kind of comes across as a jerk in that cut of the movie apparently according to the internet see i don't i don't buy that either because i don't think we treat marlin as a sympathetic character at all right i think we treat him and i think the movie treats him as a helicopter parent Mm -hmm. who can't let his son go Mm -hmm. as a parent who has lost a child Mm -hmm. and we're talking about marlin who lost all of his children and his wife at the Mm -hmm. same time Man, for me, this movie is very much about his grief. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe you're right. Maybe we have to get it out of the way at first so that we're allowed to see that. But we're mm-hmm. still not very nice to him. We're right. still not very kind to the fact that he is so protective of mm-hmm. Nemo. And why he's... I don't know. So, for me... I don't even, like, I didn't even think about it that way. I think about it more in the way I relate to it is my son had health problems um, starting when he was, like, two. So we, it took a couple of years to get things figured out. And right when we were getting to a point where we were starting to feel comfortable with things is when it was time to start him in, like, pre-K and all of that kind of stuff. So it, I can, like absolutely relate to Marlon from the perspective of my kid can't do this. I don't want him to go out there with these other kids. I don't want him out of my sight. He has the small fin and nobody else is going to watch him as closely as I'm going to watch him. God, and you know, for me, the small fin mm-hmm. doesn't, doesn't even, even register. Compute. Yeah. Nope, it doesn't sure. register. For me, this is about it's I've a movie lost. about loss. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's sure. about the loss. That's really interesting because, like, like I said, I never even considered it that way. Well, <laughs> we will say this about Pixar. They may be pretty brutal about the stories they tell, but they do tell very multi-layered, multi-dimensional stories. That's what that I'm are learning. Easy to relate to on a variety of levels, and that is quite a skill. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, Andrew Stanton, who we talked about, he's Crush. He's the mm-hmm. co-writer and director. He was a new father at the time that he was putting this movie together. So, like, a lot of that anxiety around, like, having, you know, yeah. this new, you know, having your heart outside of your body now, basically, comes from his experience with that. So, we've met Marlon. We've met Nemo. We haven't met the coral, although this particular coral doesn't do anything but scrub. <laughs> I find Nemo. it interesting that his wife's name was Coral. And we're in a coral. <laughs> yeah. So is that like if your name was House? That would be the equivalent, right? There was a Doctor Who episode about that. That's the only thing that's There's coming. There's a Doctor Who episode There's a doctor. about being named House? There's well, a yeah. Doctor Who episode about everything. But, but which doctor are we talking? 
God, I can't remember who had house. That's the lost planet. That's the one oh. where the TARDIS comes alive. I think that's okay. Matt. I think that's yeah, 11. Yeah, I know which one you're talking about. I don't, yeah, it's it's either Tenet or No, I think it's Matt. Matt. Yeah, because I've only watched through them, and I stopped because I'm a terrible person. <laughs> also, I can't say the name Coral without thinking of um, how everybody makes fun of The Walking Dead and how Rick says, Coral! <laughs> <laughs> It's how he pronounces Carl. <laughs> I stopped watching that show so when I, I realized that nothing was ever going to get better for anybody mm-hmm. and everybody was going to die and it was just going to be misery for yeah. all eternity. And I don't understand why people... Actually, to be fair, it seems people aren't quite no. watching it the way that they used to. <laughs> I just... I was an early leaver. I show divorced The Walking Dead long <laughs> before many people show divorced The Walking Dead. Fuck, what are we even talking about? We were talking about coral, living in coral. <laughs> Do you save all these tangents? We gotta. Well, they're not. One... They don't disappear. I'm gonna go through, and this you is how have we're to put one day. Our... Yes, a tangent show. We need <laughs> a tangent show because we've had some really great ones that we've cut. Mm-hmm. These are fantastic. <laughs> Coral. <laughs> so Nemo goes to school, and Marlin follows him. And embarrasses him. And embarrasses himself with the parents. Which I felt bad, honestly, for Marlin with the dads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not able to tell his joke. Poor yeah. Marlin. Yeah. You're a, a clownfish. <laughs> he's not funny. <laughs> and he's not funny. <laughs> um, I love the kids daring each other to touch the butt. Touch the butt. <laughs> That's a that's a thing we talk about in our house, touching the butt. Touching the butt, of course. Well, you know, butt because it's a butt. Yeah. <laughs> we have a lot of butt jokes around here too. They unfortunately with boys, yeah. butt jokes. They're the epitome of comedy. To well, no, I don't know about in your house, but in my house, the dad still laughs at the butt. Oh jokes, yeah! Oh, which absolutely. Reinforces the whole yes, thing. the whole yeah. fucking. So we still get more butt jokes. Yeah, oh, it's just God. a never-ending cycle of butt jokes. <laughs> Men. Okay, touch the butt. <laughs> and then we have the expedition out to the deep. And so Nemo gets stolen yeah. by divers. Yeah. The dentist. It is the dentist, right? Yes, it's the yeah, dentist. Yeah, P. Sherman, whatever, yeah, Wallaby 42 Way. Wallaby Way. Um, do people really do that? So this film, um, obviously with the Aussie actors and the Great Barrier, I think this is when, I think Pixar may have been one of the first to kind of start using locals 
on their stuff so that it was more authentic. Because, mm-hmm. yes, this is a huge problem. People, Stealing fish? People go really? out to the reef and steal fish. And it damages... So, my understanding, because of the coral bloom problem, which mm-hmm. is related to warming and the temperature, is that the reef is estimated to be dead within the next 20 years. Mm-hmm. The removal of the fish continues to make the problem worse because they're necessary to the ecosystem in keeping it stable. Okay. But this continues to be... I I, I mean, this isn't any different, really, than what happens with all of the fucking Instagram terrorists who arrive in a place to take a picture mm-hmm. and ruin it. Right. This is, this is much the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine the unintended, con- unintended consequences here were that it got worse. Mm-hmm. I, I have to imagine that it actually got much worse after mm-hmm. this movie because people wanted clownfish. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Disney is kind of notorious for that, leading people into new pets that they wouldn't necessarily have gotten prior to the movie. Like Dalmatians. Chameleons. After Hanuman and Dalmatians. People got chameleons after Tangled. You know, clownfish and blue tangs. Mm-hmm. But people actually steal fish from... People steal fish. Didn't straight know that. Straight from the ocean. Because the only fish you're going to steal around here are bass, and nobody's going to put that in a tank. But <laughs> when you're in... I mean... Right. So, Sydney, relative to the Great Barrier Reef, you're going to go out, if you are someone who is relatively affluent, and dentists are, by the way, dentists make a lot of money. They have the highest suicide rate in the world, but they also make a lot of money, and that's why you choose to be a dentist, and I also assume why you then go crazy and commit suicide. But that's neither here nor there. There's a lot of disposable income and the ability to go out diving fairly regularly and then, hmm. I guess, kidnapping fish. That's the message one could take there. All right. So, Nemo gets taken. And Marlin runs after. I don't... I mean, as a parent, sure, that's exactly what I would do, too. Right. You'd swim after, right? You'd, you'd follow until you could follow no more. Right, yeah. And then he meets Dory at this point in time. But I am still kind of unsure about Dory as a character and what she's supposed to mean or represent or mm-hmm. be in this film. Mm-hmm. Besides a comedic foil. Is that... Yeah. Um, do you need Dory in this movie? That's my question. Because Marlin can have this adventure without Dory. I just... I'm not sure... So, does she, does she represent forgiveness? Does... I mean, do, are we going to get deep with this? Yeah, Does her let's lack go ahead. of memory 
mean like this is the way for him to get past his traumas? Oh, that's an interesting <laughs> idea. I mean, she forgets he remembers everything. Right. That's an interesting question. Layers. Lots of yeah. layers. Like an onion or a like, parfait. <laughs> it, it, we'll go with a parfait because an onion is not, in fact, an, a Pixar con- concept. <laughs> neither that's is, DreamWorks. Neither is a parfait. <laughs> Parfaits are universal. No. Yeah, but that's the whole conversation in Trek. I know. About an onion and parfait. I know, but parfaits are still universal. <laughs> I'm with Donkey on this one. <laughs> All right. So we meet Dory, and then we meet the sharks, and that's a fun scene. I don't know. Dory Dory does make everything more fun. Certainly, right. he probably would have been eaten by the sharks. Sure. Although... Not eaten by the sharks, because Dory's the one that bleeds. Right. So. Do fish bleed like that? That's an excellent question, and I wanted to look it up, but I, I ran Googled out of it, time. but then I didn't get very far, because it's an odd question. Because it's a really odd question. Do <laughs> fish bleed? So, here you go, listeners. Here's the question of the week. Do fish bleed? Call us at 402 402- Eight eight five four eight seven five, or email us latchkeymovies at gmail dot com and let us know this the answer to this weird weird question. Do fish bleed? Can would like a tropical fish get a bloody nose? <laughs> <laughs> probably not a. But I, I mean, I'm sure they probably bleed something right? like they they like leak a liquid when injured <laughs> well i mean i've been fishing and okay. when you cut the fish there is obviously but it's not i don't know it doesn't seem like blood and for some reason me. in my head i feel like it would be different between freshwater fish and tropical and fish saltwater fish? fish you know like i don't know whatever that some of them are like see-through Yes. So what we're so what we're very specifically asking here is do tangs yes. bleed? Yes. Not do all fish because obviously we've seen trout bleed. Trout right. bleed. It's right. almost blood. It's close to blood. Yeah. It's kind of do we I think Icker? That seems to be a word coming <laughs> in my That's brain. That's a word I know from World of Warcraft. Troll blood. Is that also fish blood? I don't know. I don't, I don't know, guys. even I don't know, know what we're talking I'm, about now. I'm sheltered. I only have experience with freshwater fish. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so after the sharks, we end up, oh, we end up in the aquarium where Nemo meets the tank gang. I must say, I have yet to go to a dentist's office without a fucking aquarium. Have you ever been to a dentist's office without an aquarium? I was having that thought, 
But my dentist office does not have an aquarium. Well, but all right then. He's a very big fisherman, so he has a lot of stuffed fish on the walls. Well, that's creepy in a totally different way. <laughs> but yeah, there's no fish tank in my my current dentist office. <laughs> so, so he recognizes that he, fish... but he still was required to have fish apparently. Apparently. By the the dental union. So he recognizes that fish in fish tanks are inherently cruel. No, I don't. Think, I don't think that's what he thinks. Th- that's probably <laughs> he just not doesn't what he want thinks. to deal with a fish tank. <laughs> okay, he recognizes that fish in fish tanks are dirty, inconvenient, and inconvenient. So decided that the best option was to take a fish. That he had caught. Yes. And decorate And stuff it. And hang it on the wall. I mean, that makes perfect sense. So, here's another question, which I hadn't thought of until you brought this up. How does one taxidermy a fish? I don't know. I mean... My brother has a taxidermied fish, too. That's bizarre and creepy. I mean... Mm -hmm. when you I mean, I, like, how would I know? I don't even know if fish bleed. <laughs> <laughs> you are asking the wrong person. I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. And here's another question. Do you want to know? <laughs> no. Do, does this, th- is this a question that needs to be answered? I'm going to go with no. I'm going to go with no. Okay, we're moving on then. (laughs) (laughs) So we meet the tank gang, and Nemo learns that he is to be a gift for Darla, the fish killer, who has murdered many fishes. Including a goldfish named Chuckles. Poor Chuckles. It wasn't very That's funny. Terrifying what? Name. What? That is such a fucked up like. What the fuck? I just don't even. We named the goldfish Chuckles, That's and it terrifying. died. It's yeah. dead. We know right from the outset that Chuckles is dead. Yeah. Yep. Fuck. <laughs> And this is Nemo's fate. Yeah, to die. Because he knows that's what's going to happen. Alright, so then Gil, mean scary Gil, comes up with a plan to have a pebble put in the filter. And they'll escape. Gil has obviously been working on this plan Mm -hmm. for quite some time. I think he's just excited. Nemo is here as an excuse to enact the plan, frankly. Right. I think you're right. This is not an off-the-cuff plan. No, no. I think Gil has been working on this one for some time. Because he, too, has been kidnapped from Mm -hmm. the reef. And... Again, we don't really, this movie, they do 
Pixar does so many things well and so many things so badly. This movie does not actually address, unless you have the conversation about kidnapping the fish and then putting them in the aquarium with your kid, it does not actually come to that conclusion on its own. So, whereas Happy Feet bashed you over the head with a conservation message, mm-hmm. this movie doesn't give you enough. Mm-hmm. Can there be Yeah, a I really medium? think so. Because there's not... I mean, we put the fish in the tank, we can, we can clearly see that they're not... Some of them are not happy being right. in the tank. Right. Nemo obviously wants to go back to his dad. Right. And yet we don't have any direct conversation about the fact that tank life versus ocean life. Mm. I, I don't know. There's some conversations between Gil and Nemo about the open ocean. Mm-hmm. But they're not... If they did a better job... The result wouldn't be people going out and buying clownfish. And since Mm -hmm. we know that that's the result, clearly they aren't doing a good enough job on the conservation message. Right. But please, Pixar, don't go the way of happy feet with your conservation message. Well, right. On the other hand, what do you do here? How Mm -hmm. do we... what, what, What was missing... That that could have been said here that would have made a difference. Traumatized Nemo going crazy in the tank, obviously. Oh right, that's and hallucinating. Th- that's <laughs> that's a deleted scene worth waiting for right there. The Nemo hallucination, fantastic. <laughs> and then dancing his way to freedom. What are you on? And why aren't you sharing? Because from Happy Feet, remember? That's oh, like... <laughs> right, 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 right. I'm just drinking mint tea over here. <laughs> I guess I should switch to mint. My Earl Grey does not seem to be doing it for me in the way that your mint tea is doing it for you. Okay, so the plan. The plan doesn't work. To, the plan is to make the tank dirty. Right. The plan so is they to have to be the... removed and then they can escape. Attempt number one of the plan doesn't mm-hmm. work. So then we cut back to the mask and Dory reading P. Sherman 42 Wallaby Way City. Dory and Marlin on their road trip movie. Yeah. The, the buddy cop road trip movie. <laughs> that is... Definitely, what, and and they're attacked by the angler here, which is terrifying, but not as terrifying as Happy Feet. No, but that angler is teeth. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. the The angler is even as an adult. I'm like, that's yeah, a scary no. it fish. Is scary. Yep. I I would not want to encounter Mm-mm. that in a dark alley at night. Which is almost precisely what that scene is, by the way. It's a dark alley at night in the trench. It's where we encounter the angler. So there's this TV show on PBS called Splash and Bubbles, and it's about fish and, like, whatever. It's a Jim Henson production. And there is an angler fish in that. And the angler fish is also terrifying looking, 
but it's a friendly character. <laughs> and I have a problem with it every single time it comes on. I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. I don't know Angler about that either. Anglerfish are not attractive. They're, they're <laughs> not. So, they escape. They escape. I don't remember how they escape. They succeed at... Oh, I'm sorry. No. They, they From the anglerfish. Yeah, right. I, I how know. do they... I, I don't they. I don't remember. I, don't, I can't remember. It's it, the anglerfish is so traumatizing. We've erased es- it from our mem- memory. Yeah, I literally just watched this movie yesterday, and I don't <laughs> remember how they escaped from the anglerfish. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so then we get to the moonfish here. So that's where. We get directions to swim through the trench Mm -hmm. and then get to the current, the EAC. Except they go over because Mm -hmm. Marlin is... Marlin can't follow directions like most men. It's a road trip movie. It is a road trip movie. And on that one, I mean, and like... You could even Dory was like, "Are you sure?" They said through the train. Uh-huh. I it just, are you sure? Yeah. So then we go over the trench, and get attacked by the jellyfish. Do we get? Did they both get stung? They both got stung. At least Dory got stung quite a bit, mm-hmm. and then Marlin got stung as they were leaving. Mm-hmm. And then we wake up. On the turtles. So, let's see. Then we have the exit, and the whale, and the Nigel. Okay, the Nigel story. Where Nigel, that's a fun little scene where he tells the story, and it gets back to Nemo that his dad is looking for him, Mm -hmm. and he can't believe it. Because I guess children are stupid about their parents. <laughs> that's that's the conclusion I'm going to draw there. I mean, I think because Nemo only knows his dad is this, like, like, sheltered, won't leave the house kind of guy, right? Because he doesn't understand why he's right. that way. Mm-hmm. And... Even even the movie, even though we tell that story, we're still giving him a hard time for... Right. Okay. So, how far does Marlin travel to find Nemo? Some people on Stack Exchange worked it out to be about 1,500 miles. That's, that is a, that's a significant journey for it a is. clownfish. Even if he did travel some of those miles mouth. in a whale's stomach. Yes. Yeah. The whale speaking scene <laughs> will always be one of my favorite scenes from this movie. Dory is worth it to be there just for that. For the whale? Yeah. I speak whale. <laughs> I speak whale. <laughs> And then you find out in Finding Dory why she speaks whale. 
So I'll be honest, I have not managed to watch that movie all the way through because it's just that awful. <laughs> I don't I, think I, it's that bad. No, it's not that bad. You have bad. to watch it for Big Eye Dory alone. Okay, I will watch it for Big Eye Dory alone. Because she's so cute, and then there's otters. I don't know, they're so cute too. Oh, I do like the otters. Otters are one of my favorites. I did not know there were otters. So there now otters. you've given it you've given me <laughs> sufficient motivation. There you I'm go. I'm a tough sell, aren't I? Otters. <laughs> there's otters. Oh, well I'm, I'm in. in then. Oh, you mean there's a cute character in a Disney movie? What right? a revelation. What a revelation. It's such a hard sell. <laughs> Because we also have the seagulls in this movie, which yes. like the mine, mine, yes. mine. Mm-hmm. Fucking, mm-hmm. I love that. I like I. So, I don't know about your child. I don't know if your child is yet allowed the remote. And if you've not yet allowed him the remote, you should wait as long as possible because <laughs> my children will take the remote and rewind really good scenes. Oh no! So. <laughs> So mine is on all the time. You could potentially get 10 to 15 minutes of that before I have to go, okay, guys, can we, can we watch the rest of the movie, please? So (laughs) I'm just saying, don't give your kids the remote until you absolutely have to. If you ever take your kids to Disney World in Epcot, there is a fountain with the birds and they just stand there all day going mine 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 so you're telling me that if i take my children to disney world that we're just going to end up by that fountain and not on any of the rides because but that could be a good thing or a bad thing i mean it could be a good thing in that you could just go watch that they could go hang out by that fountain i'm gonna sit down here for a minute and just not be doing anything. When I go, I will be sure to get specific directions <laughs> to that fountain. You better believe. Oh, yeah. Okay. So then the creepy ass dentist arrives. Because he is. He's creepy. He's just not quite. And I don't. He. he Physically, he actually kind of resembles uh, Bob Parr, Mr. Incredible, but he also looks wrong in the same way that the Incredibles do. And I'm not sure, it's another, it's another Uncanny Valley thing, and I'm yeah. not sure precisely what it is about the humans at this stage of Pixar's animation's that didn't look right because like the rest of the Incredibles is great. Mm-hmm. The rest of this movie is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Some of the water sequences are still spectacular right. to me. The way that you can see the waves move, the colors, the lights, the shifting. I mean, it's so amazing. And how you it can is. have that level of detail and then the creepy ass people yeah i don't know i don't know what it is so the creepy ass dentist Mm -hmm. we have creepy ass dentist and he 
we missed a we missed the second attempt somewhere in there. This is what I get. Oh oh oh! It was after it was after the the turtles before the whale. <laughs> so they try again in the in the aquarium. It, and this time it works, and their tank gets all dirty, and they and ban now the shrimp from cleaning. Poor shrimp, poor Jacques. And then, but now we have the new high-tech filter installed overnight, I guess, while they were sleeping. Because fish do sleep, I assume. Apparently long enough to install a filter. And not wake up for it. That seems <laughs> weird and creepy to me. But I guess, I guess we're going with that. I, I mean... I know people react this way when they find out that horses lie down. So maybe we're just having one of those fish sleep moments. I, I don't know. But <laughs> Okay, so then we have Darla's arrival. And I do like that they use the psycho music for her. That was, <laughs> that was appropriately fitting. But Nigel comes bearing uh, Marlin and Dory. And then we have the epic pelican in the office scene. I mean, yeah. I did, like that's that's the epic scene from this film. The pelican right. in the office is, 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 is as epic as I guess I guess. We we have the swim swim down scene. That that right. that could be okay. Fine. I mean, I would be terrified of a pelican in a small space. I'm certainly. I'm not dealing with that. Is really what I'm not doing. <laughs> I, I'm I'm walking away from that one personally. This is this is kind of uh, this is. This is weirdly sexist of me to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. This is why I married, so that I can call my husband when the pelicans and the spiders show up. Baby, come deal with this, please. That's not my job. Do a lot of pelicans fly into your house? N no, no, I have not. But spiders, I do. He... Pelicans, spiders, same thing. Same thing. Totally the same thing. Okay. And then Marlin sees Nemo die because he's playing he's out dead. Of the thing. Yeah. Because he's playing dead. Mm-hmm. And he gets flushed because all fish swim to the ocean. I do believe and all drains. All drains lead to, lead to the ocean. And we'll link this in the show notes, too, because that is factually incorrect, that all drains <laughs> lead to the ocean. And there was apparently something of an epidemic of goldfish ending up being live flushed. Oh, no. So Cause, that cause was thought the thing. They were like saving their right. Goldfish. They were. They oh, were. No. So again, fucking Disney and their unintended consequences. We have people stealing fish and people <laughs> inadvertently killing fish to save them. I just damn it, Disney. I can't even. 
I literally can't even. Okay. So, Marlin thinks Nemo is dead now. And he's back to the ocean. He's gonna... Who knows what... Nemo is dead. In his mind, everything is over. There is nothing to live for at this point in time. And if he's not suicidal, he's certainly going to inadvertently step in front of a bus. Right. That's 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 where Marlin's at at this point. And I also think the movie's a little hard on him here again for this. Like, loss is so difficult to deal with on a personal level and socially, societally. We expect you to just get over it. Mm-hmm. There is a threshold for when it's okay to grieve and when you're supposed to be done. And we see even here the insistence from the characters around him, it'll be okay. How will it be okay? Mm-hmm. He lost his wife. He lost all of his children now. How mm-hmm. will it be okay? And we don't... Because we have the happy ending, we don't really address this question right. at all. We don't delve into that at all. But it is it is a reality for many people. Mm-hmm. And what trauma and loss does to people. And it is, yet again a way for us to overlook it when we don't have these hard discussions. And then we have Dory's loss, which is equally significant because while she didn't lose her son, she lost the only friend I think she mm-hmm. had or remembered having. Right. Right? Someone who anchored her enough to remember the address because it wasn't the address she remembered as much as it was Marlin and her experiences with him. Mm-hmm. And then we have... So Dory reads Sydney on a drain pipe as she's losing her memory, as she's losing Marlin. She reads the word Sydney on a drain pipe, and then she finds Nemo, and then she reunites him with Marlin. Because. Mm-hmm. <sighs> <laughs> it's literally finding a needle in a haystack. I just. <laughs> it's. It's 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 Deus ex machina on the highest right. level. Like right. and and Disney is guilty of this in so many movies, but I just it's so bad here. I, we are literally talking about three small fish and the vastness <laughs> of the ocean. Of the well, ocean. We can, we'll even pull that back. It's just Sydney Harbor. But oh, it's still. just Sydney Harbor. <laughs> still. I mean, I, I can't. <laughs> and then there's 
story's memory conveniently returning. I don't understand how it works. Story's memory works. You don't understand how it works? Well, that makes two of us. (laughs) I don't, and I don't. It's so convenient. The in here is just so goddamn convenient. It's fine. It's fine. It's great. It's fine. It's It's a kid's movie. It's a kid's movie. It's a happy ending, as I guess we should have in kids' movies. Better to have happy endings than not happy endings. We're still talking about the Avengers in this household. (sighs) Then we go home. How do we go home? By magic. (laughs) Because the Australian current only goes one way. So we go 1,500 miles to get from the reef to the harbor, and that's fine. But our return voyage is the same distance. Mm Mm-hmm. We can't take the current. There's no reverse current. Maybe they caught another ride with a whale and we just didn't see that. Perhaps. Perhaps we called up our sea turtle buddies and they swam us there. But, like, this is... I feel like this is kind of a significant gap here, no? 1,500 miles return trip. And And they're just, just there. They're just there. We're just back and we're home and everybody is the same age. So obviously we got there by magic. That's all. (laughs) And then we go on another field trip where everything is fine and Marlin tells jokes and Dory is hanging out with sharks and it's all fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. It's great. Happy ending. And then the tank gang in our final scene escape into the harbor into plastic bags and then are just floating in these plastic bags again how do they get out of the bags exactly (laughs) so we have this half-assed conservation message so they've escaped but i mean even the puffer fish isn't going to be able to blow himself up bloat isn't Mm -hmm. going to be able to blow himself up enough to poke his bag yeah. and then how do we get the rest of them out of their bags mm-hmm. i mean <laughs> disney man this so many issues with this movie i love but I it i feel like i can't <laughs> i really can't ask for a big conservation message because when you get a big conservation message you get happy feet which was so terrible because of the big, I mean, because it beat you over the head yeah. with it so hard that it made what uh, 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 it made that movie so bad, so bad. And <laughs> I agree, it probably would have here too, but it's inconsistent and it causes right. problems. Yeah. Different problems, mm-hmm. but problems all the same. All right, so that's what we got. Um, this wouldn't. So I cry. Let's see. For this one, I cry at the beginning. Mm-hmm. 
I cry at several points when we're talking about parenting things. The turtles always make me cry too for some <laughs> weird reason. I don't because even Because they're know. such good parents? I maybe there's I I can't <laughs> even answer why the turtles make me cry. This one this one is not a weeper on the level of up, but it certainly is a three-star weeper for me. All right. Uh, final thoughts. Oh, Halloween costume. Yeah, you can be Nemo. Fucking. I've seen some really good Darla I've seen costumes. Some, I've seen some great, great Nemo costumes over the years. Really? really great Nemo, Darla. I saw a good Flo and her sister once. <laughs> I love Flo and her sister. It was, it was, it was, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it was aluminum foil on a piece of, <laughs> but but there was an actual like car construction paper flow there. It was, it was great. Yeah, it's great. That's great. It's great. <laughs> Nemo, feel free to do whatever yes. you want with any of the costumes, except maybe the dentist. Don't be the dentist, and not because that's appropriative, but because he's creepy. Don't be the yeah, dentist. Yeah, just don't be creepy. Just just, just yeah. Let's not do the dentist. Uh, yeah. Okay. Final thoughts. That's what we got. For me, I'm going to say this movie is a three. And I'm feeling kind of bad about that. I don't know if I've ever ranked a movie. A yes. I, I don't think we ranked Happy Feet. I think if you had no, ranked that one, it would have been, been at least less than three. Yeah. So. Yeah. So this one's a three for me. And that's mainly because. I just, it's not rewatchable for me. I just have no draw to continually rewatch this movie. Um, it doesn't really make me emotional. And I feel like there's just so many holes in the plot. And I don't really like Dory. And that's really what it comes down to, doesn't it? I have issues with Dory as a character. I have her. I have issues with her presence as a comedic foil. I it just the whole thing, the, the character of Dory. I also don't understand how and why she became so popular. Like, just keep swimming, yeah. While a lovely notion is also kind of trite to me. Right. And I don't quite find it necessary. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm just, sometimes I'm just really thankful that my son hasn't, like, latched on to a movie, and he didn't latch on to this one, and I'm totally okay with that. That is a good scale. Like, do we want our kids to get attached to him? There are very few that I'm perfectly happy about them getting attached to. Mm -hmm. This is not one of those movies. So I wouldn't have an issue with it on like um, a content level. No. The content of this movie does not bother me. If he was attached to it, whatever, fine. It's more just I would be miserable if we had to rewatch this movie a thousand and one times. Exactly. It doesn't even have songs. No. You and I, 
you and I tend towards the musicals. Yeah, musicals will always rate higher from me. But it's just a fact of life. Even the ones, even the ones that aren't, Wally ranks very yeah. highly for me, and I'll watch that one when the kids mm-hmm. aren't even around because I love that one so much. But right. there's also not a lot of stupid humans in that one, so clearly that's a thing for me too. Um, yeah, I'm gonna give it three and a half because in general I agree. It's and I feel kind of bad about the three and a half because overall it's a beautiful film. I really right. well made. Really well made movie. I love the colors. I just love so much about the visual effects. Mm-hmm. And there are parts of the story that I really like. And there are things that it addresses that I like. And then there are all the things that it screwed up that I just mm-hmm. have a hard time with. So there we go. I guess then we are done. And you can find us. Where are we hanging out these days? Just Instagram? Pretty much just Instagram. Yeah, I mean, we exist on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. But we're not super active there. Really, I guess Instagram. Instagram is probably the most likely place that you can find us, but you can also always, always call. That's 402-885-4875 and email. That's latchkeymovies at gmail.com. Sarah and I both pretty much live in our inboxes, so feel free to send an email at any time. Um, and please drop us a line. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.